All right, everybody, welcome a friend of mine, a great friend, Drew Martin. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to see you, buddy. Okay, so here's the cool thing. You're a Canadian. And you know what? We have not had enough Canadians on the podcast recently, and I really appreciate you stepping up to the plate. Yeah, well, it's good to make the trip. Sorry. (laughs) That's right, down to your office. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, I, I can tell you, Drew and I are both involved in Pinnacle Forum. And if you're not involved in a forum, what this is, is a group of like-minded men or like-minded women that are moving toward taking their faith, creating personal transformation in their life, and moving that into action, into what they're called to do. And I love what we do, Drew, every single week. And how would you describe how we pray for each other? Because it's different than any other group I've ever been a part of. Hmm. I feel like it's, you know, truly a kind of a bonding thing that's happening in terms of coming into alignment with what God's purposes are, which are to really on a basic level, just loving each other and caring for each other and listening with our hearts and then hearing his heart and going, well, wait a second, we got to pray. You know, I'm hearing this thing. And, you know, honestly, I believe it's the Holy Spirit just giving us a sensitivity to hear what is really the thing that's being said? What is the thing and discerning even, you know, what is needed and what is needed is for us to step back and let God come in and go, Hey, I love you. I don't know what to do here, but I'm going to pray and lift you up to our father and just let him give you a big hug. Cause if I were there, I'd give you a big hug myself. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So prayer is a huge part of what we do. And because here's what we're going to talk about today. One of the things that we did, the reason I brought up pinnacle forum is we went through a whole process and created our own personal cultural impact plan. And not what we were going to go do, but in partnership with the Father, what he has put on our heart to be a part of that is, you know, part of his plan already. And we're like, you know, we said, okay, we want to reach out and just more proactively say, God, you know, hey, I'm pick me, right? Pick me. And I got to tell you, as I heard a number of people have presented their plan, but Drew, as she shared his plan, I got to tell you, I was blown away. And I'm like, you know what? Drew, will you just come on the podcast? We just need to have a conversation because here's a little bit about you're in Edmonton, Alberta, which I have not been to Edmonton. I've been all over Canada, but not Edmonton. So I need to get there. Married 35 years to Julia. You're an artist, a carpenter, a farmer. Uh, Man, you are just- That's her. Yeah, that's that's my wife. That's your wife. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's the one with the work ethic. I'm kidding, Drew. No, my my mom would say I'm a good little helper. Okay, you're a good helper. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a very good helper. But that is, she is all those things and more. Yeah, and four kids. One's gone to heaven. Yep. Yep. And you got a girl. One of your daughters is married with your first grandchild and two boys. You're all working in the arts, which is yeah amazing. And you do a lot of work in TV and film production. Yes. And one of the things that we've been supporting Druin in prayer is really uh, what's been on his heart to do a documentary about men who've been part of abortion. Yeah. And I do a lot of work here in Denver with Alternatives Pregnancy Center. And I never knew this was, you know, such a challenging thing, but the post-abortion counseling center is one of their most active areas, growing areas, and Mm. uh, a lot of men. Yeah. So that's not going to be the focus of the conversation. But here's what I'd like you to do. I mean, you've had a relationship with the Lord since as long as you personally can remember. And it's mm-hmm. deep. I got to tell you, I was, I was sharing with Drew earlier because one of the things that's just 
helped me grow and helped me develop is just Drew's level of maturity. He's so far past milk. You were past milk when you were probably 11 years old. <laughs> I mean, you're just eating raw steak right now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I love uh, steak. Yeah. yeah. So what I asked Drew to do is, you know what, there's so many things that are on your heart, how you live, how you do, that are just such a beacon for who I want to be and show up in the world, you know, as a follower of Christ, as somebody who is all in, as somebody who is making a difference for the kingdom right here, right now in the world today. So with that said, Drew, I'd like to kind of turn it over for you and just have you maybe go back as far as you want to and just start with your story in your journey. And I have some questions for you, but for just so people can kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Like you said, a Christian for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I think it's, you know, the prayers of our family, the prayers of people are so important. You know, my mom just made a covenant with God and she couldn't have children for years and years. And she just said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And you know, what was so cool is that that's exactly what happened after several years of marriage. I can't remember how long it was, but ended up having me. And, you know, for a long time, I just remember knowing God and mom would tell stories about me talking with the Lord. And early on, you know, that I just felt like when I heard Jesus preached in church, I was like, Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I know you, Jesus. Well, yeah, and you died for my sins. Oh yeah, okay. Well, thank you. That's wonderful. I just receive you, yeah, fully into my heart, and you know, and would do that, you know, every time, you know, the second time or third time was just to check, kind of thing, and you know, but it, but it was an ongoing thing, you know, and I just have over the years in my life, you know, much of what I did was because I really believe that. Oftentimes, you know, we'll move out in a fleshly kind of way, if you like, or under our own steam, our own power, because rather than, you know, seeking the Lord and coming into an alignment with his purposes and plans directly, we'll often do the thing actually in many ways that God has planned for us to do, but we do it in our own strength and power. Because I think that, you know, the condition of man is such that Really, we want to be God. We want to be in control, you know, and so of our own purposes, of our own plans, of our own destiny, if we talk about the term of, you know, destiny and taking charge in that regard. But really, our futures are not our own because our next breath is not our own. And so what I began to do was I began to, you know, get very involved in everything. And honestly, so much of it was a matter of, I believe, just trying to gain, you know, notoriety and approval. And, and what and, were you getting involved in back then, Drew? Well, I got involved with everything. Like I was, you know, if there was an opportunity to be, a, you know, start a newspaper in the school or so I became the editor of the newspaper. I became, I saw how the popular the guy was who was, you know, the president of the students council. And so I did that. And then, you know, in junior high and high school and I worked, you know, and I was an athlete. I worked very, very hard. I always put out 110% and was a part of many championship teams and uh, was a leader in whatever area I was involved in. And I think that so often what happens in my life too, my parents had a horrible relationship. My mom was wife two of seven for my dad. Wait, so did, they had did a, you say seven? Yeah. So yeah. you had a really, there wasn't a lot of like stability, a number of these as you were growing up, Drew? 
yeah, I know my dad was fooling around and stuff when we were, when I was growing up and he was, wasn't around. And I think I only ever saw my parents hold hands once in my whole life, you know? So, you know, those sort of fatherhood issues that were something that I, I was looking for, I was looking for sort of a approval, but also, yeah, just kind of a sense of, you know, control again, you know, where things would be good and they would be under my own hand, you know, rather than the Lord's. And so, you know, it wasn't until much later that, you know, God began to really draw on my heart and, you know, he's so faithful to complete the work he started in us, you know? So that's what he's been doing for several years. You know, it was really interesting. You, you were asking again before we started about how my mom, who was a Christian, you know, but had come from a very traditional background and stuff. And we were in a Baptist church, but I was introduced to the Holy Spirit when I was going to university. And I was sort of like a rocket ship on the platform. I knew that what I was supposed to be, what I was, was, you know, that I was meant to fly, but it was like, what am I doing here on the platform? And then when I heard about the Holy Spirit and just receiving the Holy Spirit, wow, I was like, it's blast off. And so I was meant to fly and there I was actually free to be able to walk in power and to be able to have the Holy Spirit lead me in truth. And then all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that began to manifest in my life. And so what was cool is I share those things with my mom and I'm like, the whole word becomes alive, right? Because the Bible's words are spirit and they're truth, right? And so the Bible just came alive to me. I'm like, mom, like, look, you know, Jesus called us, you know, he wants to heal the sick. He wants to cast out devils. He wants us to, you know, walk in faith. And she was like, oh, this is wonderful. And, you know, part of the thing is that I think my mom and I had this relationship, which was really close, but you know, what was happening is I think there was kind of a control issue in her own life. And so consequently she made arrangements to have me kidnapped. And, uh, because wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I've known you for a while. I've never heard this story. And so everybody listening, right? I get this email from Drew and a question I ask people, Hey, what are some of the challenges and struggles you face along your journey? Mm. And what you wrote is my mother arranged my kidnapping three days before my wedding because she thought you were in a cult. You got to tell me what led up to this, my friend. Well, you know, that was it, that she really felt like she didn't needed to kind of get control over where I was going, you know, and early I'd gone to a Bible college. It was teaching all about faith, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, how to walk with Holy Spirit and relationship with the Lord and a deep relationship and kind of all in kind of thing, you know, and with the Lord. And so, during the course of that, I was like, you know, I was quite popular and stuff, but I was always a friend with the girls, right? And so, because I was kind of a chubby dude. And so, you know, I was their friend, but I was like, how do I have a girlfriend? Like, how, what does this look like? And I started to talk to God about it. And, you know, before long, it was really interesting because I had completely given my life and I was completely in love with Jesus. And the Lord goes, okay, well, I want you to marry her. And that was Julia, my wife. And so I told my mom that, and she was like, oh, okay, that's great. Well, I know. And I, what do you mean? I know. Yeah, I know that she's the one. And I'm like, great. So, you know, so I go to start moving in that direction. And I think that what my mom perceived was that it was going to mean a separation between us and the closeness of our relationship. And so she kind of freaked out and you know, and she'd not really ever, uh, you know, at one point I remember praying with my mom because I said, mom, you know, I could see in the spirit. It's like, 
that you're meant to move forward in the relationship with the Lord, but the devil's got you on the shirt tail and you're like on a treadmill and you can't move it further at all until you forgive dad. And so, you know, and I began to, she's like, okay, wow. And she's like, yeah, okay. So we began to pray that night and I said, okay, now you need to ask God for forgiveness that you didn't believe that you actually, instead of holding his love paramount, you have mm-hmm. this other love that from dad that he never released, he never gave to you. And so God still wants to love you, but you need to repent that you had things backwards here. You had things out of line and he wants to bring you into an alignment. So in any event, she prayed for everybody on the planet, except for my father, except for this relationship. And then she stopped. And so I really believe that it was again, kind of a control issue. And she ended up going, you know, it's okay. And I'm like, yeah, not so much. But in any event, so soon after that, she was like, well, you know, I'm concerned about you. You're kind of taking off with this stuff. And, and I'm like, yeah, totally, mom. And then she started to, uh, so we had me visit with some pastors and some other, you know, counselors, whatever. And they were all like, wow, true. You're like, you're just on fire for the Lord. And I was like, yeah, could you tell mom, you know? And so she took things into her own hands. And there was a guy by the name of Ted Patrick. I don't know if you saw a movie. It's called uh, Ticket to Heaven. And it was about him. And he was a Baptist preacher in the United States. And she hired him to try to deprogram me. So three days before my wedding, well, she had uh, basically set up to have my brother come during my stag, which was basically playing soccer with a bunch of friends and having steak dinner later and went to a hotel where my uncle was supposedly staying. And then, yeah, I came into the room and there was my mom sitting on the bed and the door closed behind us and three big, huge guys were there in the room. And my mom just basically said, uh, hey, honey, I'm sorry. And she's weeping. She looked terrible. And that's what drew me into the room. I was like, mom, what's the matter? Are you okay? And she said, yeah, yeah, I feel this. She said to me, she goes, I feel like Judas, but I want my boy back. And so I spent 10 days there. And the issue was, you know, in situations like that, when people are deprogrammed, many people commit suicide. Because everything that they believe and everything that they think and the foundations of who they are are stripped entirely. Mm, stripped and questioned. And it's so, probably, probably for a lot of those people, it's a massive identity crisis that happens so quickly yeah. that they can't process it. No, no, that's it, man. And so what happened was everything soulish, the thing that I thought, the things that I felt, the things that, you know, that I exercised my will, you know, in having control of, all that stuff was just stripped. And the only thing I knew in my life, the only thing is Jesus is Lord and God is my father and I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That was all I had. Yeah. So nobody ever can tell me there is no such thing as God. And honestly, and what's so interesting is that, so when people are in difficult situations in their life, I go, oh, I got nothing for you. But God, God has his heart for you. He's for real. And so, you know, Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. So, yeah, so that's what happened, man. So, you know, going through that, I can imagine how Julia responded to that. Obviously, you've been married 35 years, but... Fasting and prayer. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Fasting and prayer. My soon-to-be husband's being held captive. But what did you learn going through that, really having who you are, your beliefs, your relationship with the Lord really challenged? in such a significant way. 
Well, I think that, you know, it's foundational in terms of who I am. You know, I cannot imagine a life without the Lord, without entirely being in relationship with him, without entirely being yielded to him. Because it's interesting, you know, the scripture says, in him you live and move and have your being. So just learning to live in him because, you know, without him, I have no life at all, literally. And so, and moving by listening to his voice and then being directed by his spirit to do the thing that he wants to do. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about our plans, you know, making the plans that through Pinnacle to affect culture. And it's kind of like, man, I don't feel like I'm ever going to affect culture because it's God that's going to affect culture. And I get to watch him do that by his spirit with his power and strength and not mine or my ability because I have none. And one time the Lord says... So, so in that, what is your role, right? God's in control. He's guiding your steps. Mm-hmm. But what do you see your role in that, Drew? Well, my role is just to actually be who I'm meant to be in him. And it's a relationship that he wants from me. At one point he said to me, you know that scripture, in me you live and move and have your being. He said, in me you're learning to live because your next breath is not your own. You know that. And you know that in me you move because you only are doing the thing that I tell you to do or you see me doing. And so he said, but how's the being going? Because I am and I'm okay with that. Are you? And I was like, yeah, God, wow. I'm nothing without you. And really, that's awesome because I'm yours. And so of late, you know, I really feel as though God's been just deeply addressing my identity. Just who am I entirely in him? Because, yeah, that's who I am. And, you know, the God would say to me sometimes, he goes, well, you know, you talk a lot about fulfilling my purposes, my plans. He said, do you want to know what that is? I was like, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, what do you think it is? Mm. And I said, well, you know, like Mighty Motion Pictures. And he goes. And that's your company. That's right. And so he goes, well, okay, I'll tell you what it is. I said, okay. He goes, to love. That's it. That's all. <laughs> and, you know, I just felt like, yeah, God, I am loved of you. And you want to love. That's who you are. That's who I am. I just want to see you glorified. And honestly, I have no capacity to do that if it's not in him. If he doesn't, you know, and it's entirely in him. Yeah, so what that looks like, honestly, these days, it's, wow. Honestly, I'm just like bursting. I tell people say to me, how are you doing? I'm going, oh, bursting with flavor. (laughs) Honestly, and, you know, I was going to share this scripture, you know, with you. Uh, earlier and it was just that you know it comes from malachi 4 and it says for behold the day is coming burning like a furnace when all the arrogant and every evil doer will be stubble the day is coming when i will set them ablaze says the lord of hosts not a root or branch will be left to them so you know I, we see in our culture this culture of death this you know assault on traditional values and you know we kind of get upset and get mad and you know and kind of want to fight back you know and, and i was like god Really, I don't see you fighting Jesus. You went to the cross and put yourself there. And you died and you were raised from the dead. You've already taken the keys of death and hell. 
you've already won the battle. So what's this look like now, God? And in the spirit, I didn't see fists clenched. I saw an open embrace. And so then the rest of this says, it goes, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, and it's not S-O-N, it's S-U-N, it's the light of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves from the stall. And I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm just leaping in my spirit. And Okay, so with that is kind of where you were at, and you're coming out of high school and university. How did you bring that out into the world? Because you talked about the being, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, and talk about how you connected that to the doing, what you chose to do and why, and what led you to what you're doing today. Well, I really just continually, like, went on quite a journey with, you know, our, really our whole family that Bible says, you know, whom he loves, he chastens because he's our father. And he wants to grow us in this relationship and an understanding. So there's stuff that we think that I thought and believe. Now I was sharing a little bit about that earlier, but you know, that where he wanted to train us in his ways. And so it's kind of like, really, he said, your ways are not my ways. And so one of the things he did was, you know, he gave me this picture from Mighty Motion Pictures and, and was going to do, and I fasted for 40 days and began to release that in the form of an equity share offering for $7 million to build studios here in Canada and, and distribution company and it was Mighty Motion Pictures. And God gave me the scripture from, you know, Psalm 24, it says, open up you gates and be you lifted up ye doors and let the King of glory come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. And so, you know, started to do that, started to go into meetings and and all, you know, big package created. And the Lord said, okay, now stop. I was like, stop. What do you mean? And he said, I'm going to do this. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. But I'll, you know, I'll make a few calls and then you'll talk to these guys and we'll get the money and, you know, we'll do this thing. And he goes, no, stop. I'm going to do this. Mm. And I was like, what do you want me to do? And he said, nothing. And I said, well, what do you mean nothing? He said, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So that's what I started to do. Because that he told me directly. And I said. And how did he tell you? Where did you come to that awareness? Well, he told me. He said, stop. Like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was his voice. It was clear as a bell. So I did nothing, really. Honestly, that's what I did. And I said, well, and really, we're getting to the point where, you know, I had, I was working and had no money, you know, not coming, coming in. And I said, well, God, can I really do nothing? And he said, well, if you want to do something, he said, then labor to enter into my rest. I was like, what? Your rest? What does that mean? I was like, I was a doer, man. That was my identity. And he said, his rest. So I we did nothing, you know, and I, and I began to go, what does that look like, God? And so then finally he just said, okay, here's what you can do. Read my word. I was like, oh, so I thought I'd open the Bible and it'd just tell me right there the next step. And he goes, no, 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 from the beginning. So I started going through the whole Bible. And day by day and 
line by line, he just spoke to me and I was like, whoa, 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 your word is, you know, it's a lamp, it's the light. So I was like, wow, I just, just eating it up. And so, yeah, and we had nothing, nothing at all. And we came to time to sell the house and I was like, we need to do God because the house is yours. It's not mine. And he goes, not yet. And so, and you had to sell the house just because of finances is what you were thinking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. You know, when I was about 10 years old, I remember the scripture of the rich young ruler. And he said, you know, and, and Jesus go, and he goes, hey, you know, I pretty much got it together here. And, you know, pretty much got the kingdom thing, you know, all in line. And he goes, okay, well, Jesus says, so how about selling everything you have, giving it to the poor? So it was like, whoa, yikes. And, you know, it's like, it's probably easier for a camel to get through the eye than a needle, you know, than for a rich man to come into the kingdom, the Bible says, not to get to heaven, come into the kingdom. So he wanted me to learn how to walk in faith, actually, completely given over to him. So it's a long story, but, you know, it was uh, ultimately what happened was, uh, you know, we, we ended up, I said, you know, should we sell the house now, God? Now will be a good time. We have nothing at all. And to the point that, you know, I had no food in the house. And, you know, my kids received Christ when they were three. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues when they were three years old. So they knew God and they followed after him. And we walked as a family. And my little daughter is about 10 years old. And she goes, I said, baby, I got no food for you today for lunch. And she goes, well, I guess we're going to find out then, Dad, aren't we? I go, what do you mean, sweetie? And I'm just crying. I was like, and she goes, well, whether God is who he says he is or not. And I was like, yeah, I guess so, baby. And she goes, kind of like the math test you haven't studied for yet, hey? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's, I guess it's a lot like that, honey. So that, that night, we had more groceries than we could fit in our fridge. Somebody dropped them off at the door, and they were, you know, exotic breads and sauces and big roast and I was like God wow you're so good you're so faithful and I said but God you know if it were me this is so extravagant and I said I would have brought you know the bread maybe some potatoes and he said well that's you and this mm -hmm. is me. I'm your dad yeah so what happened is we ended up got a word from the Lord at the same time me and my wife and we sold our house and and basically then, yeah, he, uh, and we bought our house for $170,000 on the first day. Well, I said, how much God? He said, 600,000. And I said, okay. I called my realtor and she said, well, Drew, like you know, maybe 450 would be pushing the market, buddy. But she was a Christian. She said, let's do this thing. And in one day I had an offer for 550,000. My daughter and my wife go, and I was like, hey, girls, we're talking about it before we take the offer. And they were in the living room, you know, and, and uh, we are children are always part of our lives. We didn't go, the, the adults are talking right now, ever, you know. And so we're talking and my daughter goes, and I said, you know, it's a pretty good offer, ladies. This is maybe we should take that. And the Lord and Amy, my daughter says to me, well, did God say 600 or not? And I said, oh, he definitely said $600,000, baby. I love that faith. That's what he said. And she said, well, so we didn't take the offer for 550, but in three days we had 600. 
So wow. You, so you, you didn't take the offer for five fifty. You waited, and then you got the six hundred. That's right. Three days later. So yeah. So we sold our house, and the Lord said to me, "You see, it's not about what you do; it's what I can do. And you don't have to lift a finger, and I can increase you." Yeah. So God has been teaching us lessons um, because He's so faithful and true. And so now, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so he was just building faith and building understanding about who he really is and what he can really do, and not by my strength or power, but by his spirit. Yeah, my whole journey the last eight years has been moving into that place that, you know, where you are now that you got to much earlier in life of just really understanding. That was what I was seeking is really understanding the true nature of God. Mm-hmm. in developing that relationship. And it was interesting, Drew, we were actually having a, we were all sitting around my fire pit and there was about, I don't know, seven, eight adults and my son who's 22 years old. And he's just wise beyond his years. I just love some of the things that come out of his mouth. But mm-hmm. somebody said, hey, you know, what happens when, you know, I don't hear from God, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just not, you know, some of the things you guys are talking about, I don't get it. And, and here's what John said. He goes, well, let me ask you a question. If you have that, that one friend from, let's say, college or high school that you haven't talked to in years, mm-hmm. and you reach out to him and you don't really hear back right away. And what John said is, well, the reason is because you don't have a relationship. It's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. God's always there, and he is desiring and seeking and, mm-hmm. and just excited about having this relationship. But we also have to be in relationship with him. It has to be daily. Like I honestly think he's giving us in marriage mm. right, to model the relationship he wants to have with us. I mean, I mean, I've been married now 30 years. We just had our anniversary, but I mean, my wife and I, you know, every day we're in conversation, we're laughing, we're talking, we're crying, we're praying for people, we're, you know, mm. we're planning our future, we're planning what we're having for dinner. I mean, you're in constant conversation in dialogue about the important things and sometimes just the fun things and the serious things. And you know what, what I found is really understanding who God was and then being in that relationship with him that he invited me into that I really never understood before I was in his presence. Mm. Um, it was like the color of the world just got more vibrant and brighter mm. as I stepped into that place like you are of trusting yeah. Um, and I know that's led you today, I, you know, as I've heard right through Mighty Motion Pictures, you've done some incredible work in film and documentary. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you're working on right now. Sure. I think it's a topic that's incredibly important. Yeah, well, you know, we finished a documentary called Hush on the untold health risks of abortion. And that was really in many ways a training ground for me in terms of just giving the reins to God. You know, when he put that project on my heart, I'd seen what was happening through a video that I'd watched years ago where a doctor just on camera explained just by showing the instruments how abortions are performed at different various stages, right up to a partial birth abortion. And I was mortified. The Holy Ghost just came on me. I wept and I was like, Lord Jesus, how is this possible? How can this sounds like this is something from the Middle Ages? It's like that there's such barbarism. I can't believe it. And so I was like, when you have a strategy, because people are talking about doing something on abortion, and I was like, wow, God, when you have a strategy, you tell me, and then we'll do this, but not before, because 
you know, the subject was so volatile itself that I felt like in the spirit and I learned about, you know, how to, you know, see, discern things and, you know, spiritual things are, you know, spiritually discerned. And so you just kind of go, well, you know, and our Bible says our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. So I was like, God, when you show me what you want to do, then we'll do that. And when you have a strategy, then tell me and we'll do that. And so one day he did. Somebody approached me and he said, okay, I want to do this. And so what he said is, I want to come in the spirit of who I am. He said, I am truth and I am love. And I thought, oh yeah, Jesus, you never open your mouth except it was love. And so what happened is I thought that, you know, I will go through all the details, but it was enormous. It was amazing how each time I would think my carnal mind, I'd be thinking, this is what I'm going to do because I'm a writer, director, so I'll write it, I'll direct it. And the Lord goes, no, not you. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, then who? And he says, a woman. It's like, okay. And I'm thinking, well, for sure, I'll get a Christian woman. For sure, I'll get a pro-life woman. And he goes, um, uh, and so I started going in that direction. It's funny how God gives us a word, and then he lets us learn how ridiculous we are. So I started looking around and, you know, Christian women I knew or the very few of them could produce at this level, you know, and, and, or write or direct at this level. And so the two that I knew couldn't do it. And he took me to a woman and, you know, the pro-life Christian woman couldn't do it. The Christian women couldn't do it. So I went to other women I know who were very competent and stuff. And I know well, and they were like, Drew, this is abortion. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to die on this hill with you, buddy. And I'm like, okay, I get it. And so he took me to a woman who was not a Christian, not pro-life, was a strong feminist. And she said, this is brilliant. Because I wrote a 21-page outline for the film. Because I was fasting, praying, went into that. And she goes, this is brilliant. I really want to do this film. And then my son, who's taken film and TV, and he was producing this with me. He's done other work with me. Her name is Poonam Gill. And so she turned to us. We're in a meeting. She goes, before you got, because we're going to go, wow, Poonam, that's really great. Well, we'll go and pray about this. And, you know, and, and she goes, well, before you go, you need to know this. She goes, I feel like I was meant to do this film. I was like, oh, yeah. Turned to my son in our, in our spirits and went, yeah, here we go. And so I watched God do that film, honestly, honestly. And so it's unlike anything anybody would have conceived of. Because it was not about being pro-life or pro-choice. It was about being pro-information. It was about honoring women with the truth about breast cancer, premature birth, and psychological problems. And honoring them with the choice that they have, the God-given choice. That was part of what he said to me. He said, I don't have an argument with women. He said, choice is my idea. I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to choose, aren't they, Jesus? He says, yeah, they are. I put life and death before you, but choose life. So you got to see the film because it's amazing. And we won a number of internet. Where can we find the film? You can go to hushfilm.com. Okay. Hushfilm.com. And so it won a best documentary in Los Angeles Film Festival, won second at World Fest in Houston, and won a gold at the World Documentary Awards, which are secular film festivals. And we premiered in Beverly Hills where the positioning statement is films by women that everyone should see. So, Yeah. You really must see it. So now what we're doing is God has said, I want to do something 
about men and abortion. But first, this is what he said. He goes, I want to reframe the thinking about abortion. He said, it was never meant to be a women's issue. He said, it's always been my plan for men to love me and to lead in loving women and loving children and being their protectors. And I was like, wow, God, yeah. And he took me back to the garden. I thought, there we were, right there. And instead of accepting responsibility for loving the woman, we go, well, you know, it was her. It was her deal. It was her fault. And I was like, oh, yeah, God. And so really what I started to get was that scripture from Malachi 4.6. It says, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah, and he will call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So really the children are looking for the fathers, and fathers need to come this time to take their place. So I heard in the spirit, he goes, I want to sound the alarm. And so in Joel too, I mean, honestly, I feel as though he, he sound this alarm to rush on the city and run on the walls for great is the army that carries out my word. And it says the Lord utters his voice before his army. And so I hear a trumpet call. I heard the word reveille in my spirit. And he's like, get up, men, get up. And those of you who have been wounded, be healed and come to the battle. And those of you who have taken a backseat to that Jezebel spirit, take your place. Take your place and begin to love like the radical men I've called you to be. Yeah, and forgive, forgive themselves. Yeah. I didn't realize how dramatic and important this issue was, Drew. This was a, a few years ago in our Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how the topic came up, but one of the guys in our Bible study all of a sudden just, you know, when you just see somebody just start to get very emotional, right? They can't mm-hmm. speak. His yeah. eyes started welling up, his lip starts trembling, and he did not want to share. And we just gave him some space. And after a few minutes, he said, I've never shared this with anybody. My wife doesn't even know. Mm. But he'd been part of three abortions. Wow. One, early on, freshman year in college. And he encouraged her to do it. Like, hey, we don't want to, you know, we're too young. The second one, the girl just got pregnant and went and told him afterwards this happened. Right. He was like, oh, relieved. Mm. Yeah. And I can't remember the details around the third one, but in his mind, mm. he sees himself as somebody who has taken life. Mm. And as somebody who took the life of an innocent, now that I'm a believer, mm. he doubted that he's even lovable, even by God. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what happens in the psyche when some of these things happen, right? Yeah. That he could never really have the relation. That's what actually caused the emotion because we're talking about some just amazing things going on in our life and these breakthroughs yeah. and the relationship with the Lord. And he felt that that was unaccessible to him. Mm. And yeah. I yeah. got to tell you, man, we came yeah. around him and he's in a such better place. But uh, yeah. it was in that moment that I actually realized and think about how many millions of people unfortunately, because of the culture that we have right now, yeah, people are silently, you know, maybe they did that when they were younger in college and now they're married and they're in a family, but they have that one thing they don't want to admit to anybody because it's so, there's mm-hmm. so much guilt and shame. Yes. I got to tell you, guilt and shame is uh, yeah, one of the biggest constraints between us and a, you know, Christ talked about mm-hmm. in John 10, 10, right? That I came to give yeah. you life. Yeah. So that you experience it to the full. 
Yeah. But, you know, that's when he talks about Satan is this devouring lion, like roaring and stealing. Yeah. And that's what's happening in that moment. And yeah. you talked about that healing, but that healing has to start internally. And I don't believe that can happen mm. without Holy Spirit, without yeah. Father God, without Christ and having that relationship and really understanding that, you know what, anybody out there right now that's even listening, mm -hmm. that you're relating to this yeah. right now, I want you to know yeah. that if you could actually see Christ right now, he is looking at you with the most adoring, loving eyes. Something that struck me yeah. when I was in God's presence, and just to share this with everybody, yeah. um, people who aren't familiar, I had an accident and I broke virtually every bone from my chest up and it was not survivable is what we were told. And I'm laying on the ground as I wake up from this accident that happened. And all of a sudden, like I am screaming and yelling. And you know that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah. Well, it's not true. Because <laughs> when I woke up on the ground, this was beyond anything I could handle. The pain, yeah, the panic, the yeah. fear. I was absolutely. And then all of a sudden, I feel God's presence. Yeah. And it is the most unconditional and personal love like this love is the fabric of the universe and i had this privilege to touch it and and i remember as i looked back on that moment drew mm -hmm. and i remember the first thing that crossed my mind laying there i didn't even know how bad my body was crushed the first thought that crossed my mind yeah. when i felt this was i'm not worthy mm. of somebody loving me like this i remember thinking that it was the first thought i had and you know what all this stuff I've done in my past that I'm not proud of, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm -hmm. was not even relevant. Yeah. And when, well, you know, when God says he forgives, he sees us as, in the present, the person that he created, his image bearer. Mm -hmm. And to him, it is beautiful and it is perfect. And you cannot do anything to ruin yeah. that. Or to separate yourself from that, even though you might think you did. Mm. And so I want to tell everybody out there listening who might be in that same situation that yeah. what you see in the mirror, who you think you see in the mirror, is not what God sees. Yeah. What he sees is his perfect workmanship. Mm -hmm. And he loves you. Yeah. And I want you to just get on your knees and just start having a conversation so you can feel... Mm -hmm. and experience what is already there and present. Yeah. Don't you think? Amen, bro. That's good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's so beautiful, John. And thanks for sharing that. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's really everything else just washes away in the light of his mercy and grace. You know, that that's really who we are. We're just, we're the forgiven ones. Mm -hmm. We're the love of God. We're his children. You know, and it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter what our kids do. It doesn't matter how bad they can be. It's like, I don't see that. We can get over this. You know, you made some bad decisions, but that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, yeah, so he's so awesome. And, you know, really, I feel so much like he wants us just to live in the beauty of the what he's done already, you know, that we don't have to carry guilt and condemnation and shame. And there's the devil who comes to kill to steal and destroy. So he kills the baby. Then he wants to come and bring condemnation and shame to steal your identity. And then he wants to, because we're meant to be fathers, he wants to 
eliminate their, our God-given identity as those who are made in his image and likeness because he hates our dad. Mm-hmm. And he hates fathers being fathers. And he hates men being men. And as what? The men are meant just not being the, you know, the tough guys, but the broken guys, the weak guys, the guys who need their dad. And so consequently are the humble ones. Because mm-hmm. it's, hum- it's humility that there's power. It's not in us, in our strength. You know, and I feel like that's what happens so often, like, because our identity, you know, in our culture is like, framed by you know what we do not who we are but by what we do and so and the measurement of that it's success is of course that kingdom of mammon it's how much money do you make how much notoriety do you have and the lord goes no i want to establish you in this one fundamental thing that this is who you are you're mine you're forgiven you're loved and that's the resurrection. You know, for a long time, I'd be praying, like, God, show me what is your resurrection power. That's what I want to walk in, resurrection power. And he goes, this is it. You're forgiven. I love that sentiment. You know, and as we wrap up, how do people connect to you, learn more about this project that you are working on right now, about the effect of abortion on men in the world? Yeah. Well, you know, right now, John, what happens is with each project we do, we have a development phase. So we're raising development funds for that. If people are interested in men are interested in getting involved, that's great. You know, one of these things that God does things of significance in relationship. And so I've just been connecting on a huge scale with my Catholic brothers and, and sisters. And one of the things that's happened is, you know, I'm trying to connect into the Knights of Columbus. I've already talked to Promise Capers, U.S. and Canada. And one of the things he's done is he's connected me with these guys recently with the Knights on bikes. So that's the Knights of Columbus on motorcycles. And I was like, God, what are you doing here? This is so cool. And he connected me with the CMA, which is the Christian Motorcycles Association. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because there's not millions of guys here. There's just, you know, really a thousand, a few thousand of them. But And like, but man, they're tracking with the Holy Ghost. They're like, yeah. And I was like, God, why are you doing this? And I read something the other day and I'm reading a friend's book. And then the Lord speaks to me. He goes, and that's what the, there was a line in the book. It was a title of the chapter, and it's called Sons of Thunder. I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, they're the sons of thunder. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I, because I was teasing, I was talking to one guy, I said, you guys understand about love because you do, you do it where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. And you know what? I thought, oh, yeah, they're going to bring power where they go, the power of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, I would love for people to get connected into this. I also want to tell you this really quick. How would they connect to you, Drew? Oh, my email, which is dmartin at mightymotionpictures.com. Okay. And then we're doing so D, a- D Martin yep. at mightymotionpictures.com. Okay. That's me. And we're also, I just got to tell you quick, we're, we just did an agreement with uh, Abby Johnson, who did the film, oh, it was the topic of the film, Unplanned. Yeah. We're doing a documentary with Abby about the abortion industry, really, and about mercy and grace. I feel like that's the heart of it, but really excited about that. Doing a six part documentary series called Porn Free on being freed from pornography. Mm. Yeah. So just things are the joints jumping, buddy. No kidding. So, anybody out there listening, man, I tell you what, Hush, I haven't watched it yet. I need to watch that. It's such an important topic abortion, pornography, connect to Drew. 
you know, if it's on your heart to be involved financially or to connect him to somebody who he needs to know, you guys will know. You'll just feel a nudge. If you feel that nudge, just reach out. D Martin at MightyMotionPictures.com. And Drew, just thank you so much for what you're doing. And, you know, you said earlier, right, you can't affect culture. God's just too big for that. <laughs> um, but what's so encouraging, though, is you, through the work that you're doing in partnership with the Father, so beautifully as you've described, is having a massive impact on culture. I think all of us are wired. You know, this is how I look at humanity in general, right? Because I've met people all over the world in every situation and every political background. You yeah. know what? They're good people. Yeah. That's what I see about people. They're good people. They yeah. want to have meaningful relationships. Mm. And they want to do work that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And to truly, I think, live that life that I think, because I believe that that is such a universal construct of humanity. It's because it's that imprint, because we are all made in God's image. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that's just reflective of our creator. Just step into some of the things you've heard from Drew is that, that relationship that trust, that faith, work on transforming your mind. And if you don't know how to do that, mm. get around a like-minded group of men or women that are, that are ahead. I would say, Drew, you've always just been for me, and I thank you so deeply for it, like this model of somebody who's living the kingdom life and in relationship with the Father that I want to do, right? Your level of just faith, how you walk in the Spirit, how you just trust is like a beacon for me, even some of those times, you know, as we're just talking in our group, right? So I would just yeah. encourage everybody out there listening is to go find people that are not the gurus, not the sage on the top of the mountain, but just people are just one or maybe one or two steps ahead of you. Mm -hmm. It can encourage you that can maybe share. Yeah. And, and guess what? We're all going to share some of the same struggles. We're going to have times where we, we doubt, where we make mistakes, where we fail. Yeah. But all of that, if we look at it from a different context, that it's not failure. We just went through that because God might have needed us to go through that mm -hmm. to prepare us for what's yeah. next. And he knows what's next. And he knows what's yeah. after that and after that and after that. Yeah, it's good. He, he sees the whole picture. Amen. So, Drew, thank you, man. Yeah. And as you get closer and this project comes out, any one of your projects, let's have you back on and just keep talking about it because this is a conversation that the world needs more of. Yeah, I'd love to, John. You know, one last thing, just I would love to connect with young people. I would love to encourage them in the context of media, really to learn how to be worshipers, how to be servants, and how to be prophets. Mm. Because really, in this day, God wants to speak. He wants to, but he wants to, he loves a broken and contrite heart. Mm -hmm. But those people who, you know, they feel a calling into this area, as young men and women, I would love to connect with them. As you can see, like we're super busy and God's calling us. There's a scripture in Chronicles 20. It talks about when Hezekiah called them back to worship, he said, bring those God who have one heart to do your word. So I just reach out to those who have that heart and connect with me to send me an email and would love to, yeah, work with them as young people. Awesome. And even old people. I don't <laughs> I feel like I'm maybe 20 years old, buddy. I'm 57. <laughs> yeah, you got some energy. You're yeah. awesome. All right, man. Go keep knocking them alive out there, my friend. 
Thanks, bro. I love you lots. Bless you. Love you too.